Please take your Bibles this morning and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We've been in the series of the I Am, Know Him, Join Him on Sunday mornings, and this really is a message that ties in with the importance of, of joining the I Am's cause, and I trust that you'll be encouraged and helped by what the Lord's put on my heart here today. You know, people live to be a part of causes. They, that's what we, we, we get behind something. Most everybody gets behind some kind of a cause. In fact, the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning, the, the main verse that we're going to look at in Philippians 1, has two different pictures it gives. One would be of politics, a word that's clearly a political type word, and then one of athletics. And uh, those pictures are given to help make a much bigger spiritual point about what God's people are after. You know, we're just fresh off of an uh, election. It just happened a few days ago, or still happening, or I don't know how it works in our country anymore with elections. Uh, they seem to go on and on and on uh, when it comes to counting and so on. But uh, it's, it's wrapping up soon, and uh, the election was uh, pretty intense, right? Millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars were poured. Uh, people poured in, millions of people poured in millions of dollars and, and much of their time and resources to an endeavor to see whatever side of the aisle were, that they're on, their cause through. And for Wisconsin citizens, of course, there was a lot of involvement in this past election. But in the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years or so, we have a lot of memories that come to mind. We've at times, our state has become kind of an epicenter for those moments, right? You remember um, the, uh, the, the bill that was passed called Act 10. And you remember what happened there in Madison? You remember how thousands of people gathered inside the Capitol and then Many thousands more gathered outside of the Capitol building there in Madison, all around a cause. They were against the bill that had been passed by the legislature and had, um, or they were, hadn't been passed yet, but they were going through the process of, of, of that. And they were uh, angry about it. And so they came together and were willing to do whatever it took to stop it. And we saw thousands gathering inside. I think there's a picture of the outside as well. This kind of brings back memories that uh, you may have of, of those days. Uh, but there were tens and tens of thousands of people gathered. Look at those, all those folks there. That's our, that's our capital in Madison. Now, if you remember during those times, there were people that were uh, so passionate about it, they were willing to lose their jobs. Some of the people that were there didn't have jobs, clearly. They were, they were uh, professional protesters. But many of them did. They were uh, different kinds of jobs that they were from. And, and they were getting, um, uh, trying to get excuse notes from their doctors. And doctors were willing to lose their licenses even uh, or get in trouble, even though may, no, almost none of them did, for writing excuse notes that were not even valid, weren't even real health issues that were there. People were gone for days and days and days, camping out in Madison. Why? Because they had something they were very passionate about. Of course, two, two summers ago, we saw it for months. Tragically, a lot of riots that happened in our cities around a cause that, uh, that occurred. A lot of folks, it was a tragic incident that happened in Minneapolis that spurred the majority of these riots, of course. Uh, but these things happened. People got behind a cause. Think about just this past year in Canada, the Freedom Convoy. You remember that? I mean, right there in Ottawa, just shutting down uh, that capital, all those trucks coming from all over Canada. Well, then it started to happen here in the United States. And you had thousands upon thousands of people getting behind a cause that they were passionate about. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C., uh, part of the Awake America group there, and we were going on Capitol Hill talking, got to spend time with one of our senators and the other senator's staff and spend time with several of our congressmen talking to them. Uh, and uh, it was a good opportunity. Prayed with some of them. It was very special uh, 
this privilege to be able to go around Capitol Hill and spend that time with our Wisconsin congressional um, group. But while I was there, uh, they were getting scared because the trucks were coming to D.C. And uh, so what they did every day was a headache. Oh, it was just brutal. Is the, the mayor said, I don't want them coming into the city, and they weren't planning to anyway. But she literally cut off all the exits to get into town. Well, that kind of makes it a little difficult when you're trying to be there. So we didn't navigate things. Thankfully, we were able to miss most of that. But they would blockade off all the exits, and you could just see. But those truckers were going around, and you could hear them make, make, uh, making themselves heard uh, as they were trying to make a point. But there were thousands of them getting behind a cause. Of course, of course, today, one of the things that's very political and folks that folks get behind is things like environmental causes. And you see that all over the place. And people will camp out in front of natural or in front of uh, places like uh, um, national parks or whatever. I heard just this past week of a, a situation where they blocked a major place in, I think it was New York or somewhere, and a man missed his father's funeral because he couldn't get there because um, the traffic was completely stopped and he couldn't get, get around it. Uh, but people will do anything. They'll do anything for a cause, right? They'll get involved politically. Now, what, sometimes what causes these movements to break up is when individuals begin to pursue their own goals and are willing to, to mess up the team because they're starting to pursue what they want. And you see that happen in politics. You see it happen in some of these organizations. And, and uh, some of them keep going. Some of them get broken up. What's interesting, though, not only do you have it in the realm of politics, but you do in the realm of sports. Now, I know you're, some of you may, well, why are you showing an image of a sports picture on a Sunday morning? Just follow, follow my lead here, okay? All right, this is actually a term, striving together, the verse we're going to look at is an actual athletic term. In Greece, you would have put a picture up of, of the Grecian games and so on. But um, if you think about our own team here in our state, the Green Bay Packers, for years have been known as a team that has played at a very high level. Most of the time, they get along really well, right? Their chemistry is strong. There's obviously, there's stories and intrigue and so on that goes on. But normally, the team chemistry is pretty strong. Is that going on this year? No. no. And what's happening this year? There's a lot of sniping at each other, right? You hear the quarterback, you know, saying, if I had this, and, you know, and, and then people are blaming him and saying he needs to retire. You know, you have all these things going on. And uh, what we expect and what you expect as, uh, as fans here in this state is what? Success, right? A team that's supposed to be pulled together for the same cause to do what? To win the what? The Super Bowl. That's the goal, Okay. I think back in um, 2015, I've given an illustration like this before of the Kansas City Royals. And the only reason I ever I even cared about the Royals was the fact that my in-laws are from there, my wife's from there. And uh, there's something about small town. It would, it would have happened here if we had actually gotten to the World Series. Uh, I think we're the smallest market, Kansas City's second smallest. So two smallest markets in, in sports and baseball. And so what happened was with that was they... They just had chemistry that clicked in 14. They got to the World Series, almost won, and then they come back in 15, and they win it. And I don't know if any of you remember, I, somebody gave us a free subscription to watch um, some of the series on MLB.com. Ever since the 2016 series, I think I've seen one inning of a World Series since. I'm not a, I love baseball, but I don't, I don't spend a lot of time with that and watching and all that. But that year just kind of grabbed us because it was so unique. And one thing that made it unique was, was there was this, something about that team chemistry. They were all in together. If any of you saw it, and uh, their catcher especially kind of led the pack, but they were just having a great time. It made it fun to watch. But I remember game five of that series, the Mets had a chance to win that game. It could have taken the series much farther against the Royals. But it was in the eighth inning, and uh, their pitcher, uh, Matt, his name was Matt Harvey, was pitching a, a phenomenal game. I don't think he had allowed any run score. It was like one nothing, 2 nothing, something like that. And he got, and the manager clearly had said, you're done. We're putting the closer. This thing will be over. 
And he did not want to get out of the game. Not for anything. And I remember seeing that. You could hear the fans, Harvey! Because they saw the argument going on in the dugout. He's arguing with the, with the manager. The manager said, no, you shouldn't go back in. He said, I'm going, I want to go back in. Well, he, the, the pitcher won the day on that. He lost the game. Okay? Sorry, Mets fans, but he did. Okay? That's what happened. Now, we look at these stories. We see athletics. We see politics. We see these things that people gather around that they're striving together for. And, we, and sometimes, by the way, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you at least, you all voted, I hope, if you can, if you're an American citizen, but, you know, some of you maybe gave to certain political candidates. Some of you were part of campaigning. Some of you might have done some things to help, uh, maybe make contacts, calls. You were part of that cause. Uh, many folks follow sports, so they may not be able to play and strive together that way, but they're all in with following a team. We get behind causes. You know, somebody puts a thing in the mail that just grabs your attention about needy children or something, and you, you're like, whoa, and you get behind a cause. And, and, and a lot of causes aren't bad. You know, so there are some that are, but uh, many of them are not bad. But far more important than any other cause that I've mentioned for sure in this world is the cause that God wants to see us accomplished through local churches. And he's raised this church up in our area, and he's raised up many more, who he's commissioned with the greatest cause, and that's to see the Great Commission fulfilled. And so right here, we need to be passionate about a few things if we, if we are focused on striving together for the cause of the gospel. We're going to see this here in this verse, Philippians 1.27. This cause requires us to be in shape spiritually, that we stand firm in the plan that our captain gives us, and that ultimately we strive together to accomplish the cause of our captain, which is the Great Commission. So look with me at verse 27. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The first thing I believe you find right here in verse 27 is that each one of us as believers needs to get in shape. You say, what are you talking about? Get in shape? Okay, well, first of all, this mission that we're a part of is is an athletic type event when it comes to the intensity that it needs. And God's people spiritually, I'm not talking about physically here, but that, that helps. Uh, tr uh, tr uh, trust me, the big picture helps. But spiritually, it's not just, it is the spiritual focus. Get in shape. And there's an examination I think you find right here in the context of Philippians chapter 1. Look with me back at verse 6. He says this, being confident of this very thing, that he with which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, before we get into that verse anymore, I want to I give you a little background. The idea of conversation here is the idea of walk, not just talk. It's even more than just lifestyle because it's interesting. The word here, you say, well, where's the political side of this verse? The word be as it becometh literally is, has a political sense to it. It means behave the way citizens are supposed to behave. It's this idea. Understand your responsibility, folks, today as a citizen of heaven and live passionately to demonstrate the transforming power of the gospel in your life. So when it says, only let your conversation, only let your walk be as it becometh, be a demonstration of what? Of the gospel of Christ, of the fact that you are now a citizen of heaven. While on this earth, your behavior should not reflect this earthly culture. Your behavior ought to reflect the heavenly citizenship that you have. 
That's what this is saying. It's interesting. A commentator named Warren Wearsby said this. He said that he and his wife one time were traveling in London. They were sitting on the back of a bus, and there was this unruly group of people there, and they were coarse in their language, and they, he would just kind of, wow, this is a rough group. And all the people around there from uh, London were looking at each other like, yep, those are Americans. It was an embarrassment to him, representing the American culture, right? How do you think the Lord looks upon us in reflecting of his heavenly kingdom? How well are we doing with that here? And that's what we're going to look at in just a moment. Uh, what kind of shape are we in? Now, another interesting thing about this idea of being a heavenly citizen in a different land is that in Philippi, Philippi was actually a Roman colony in, in, uh, in Greece, in Macedonia, northern Greece. And so citizens there were actual Roman citizens protected by Roman law. Okay, So they could understand this picture, being in Greece, yet knowing they were a Roman colony under Roman rule, under Roman law, they were citizens of Rome. And so when we think about this picture that Paul's giving to them, he says, now look, your walk, your conversation, your lifestyle, it should be as it becometh. It should be a reflection of, it should in its weight be a worthy reflection of, like balancing the scales of the glorious transforming power of the gospel. And so the verse I just read to you would be one important evaluation point, and that would be this. When it comes to spiritual health, are you daily renewing yourself in the word and are you allowing the Spirit of God to be transforming your life every day? Because guess what? God's working in your life. That's, that's happening. The question is, are you responding to Him? Okay? Are you letting Him work? I've been thrilled with this Experience in God book that we've been doing. We're almost done with as our Bible studies. And, and the fact is that God is at work. Let's join Him. Let's be a part of that, that mission that He's a part of. And, uh, and so... Are you renewing yourself? Are you allowing God to transform you so that you're sensitive to the Spirit of God, so that you're listening to His voice and that you can follow His leading? By the way, Paul had confidence about the fact that God was working in these people's lives. Two reasons. One is he knew it, theologically. But another reason he knew it is because it was his own experience. Remember two chapters later in Philippians 3? He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul was passionate to know the Lord. And so when we think about this evaluation, this health checkup, let's just start with the basics. Are you allowing the one who is working in your life to do his full work because you are daily being transformed by his word and allowing his spirit to change your life as you're seeking his face? But also there's a few other things to think about. Is your life obviously a channel of God's love to others? This is all right here in the context. You see here in verses 7 and 8, he talks about how much he had them in his heart. A commentator says he doesn't say how much they were on his nerves. <laughs> Big difference, right? He says, I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 9, this was his heart for them. Part of the spiritual evaluation. And he says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. What's he saying here? All right. As the love of Christ is pouring through me, my prayer for you is that your life would not be focused on yourself, is that your life would not be focused upon your circumstances. But instead, as God is doing a deep work in me through suffering, I want to see God do that deep work in your life, that you can be an extension of others. I want your love to abound yet more and more. Romans chapter 5 
is a wonderful passage, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And it talks about the trial of our faith. Ultimately, it leads to this, that God will bring hope or confidence in our lives as the Holy Ghost, is, is, His love is shed abroad in our hearts. God works that genuine love in our hearts and that love where we become a conduit or a channel to other people. And so how healthy are you on that today? How much were you focused on yourself this morning? How much were you focused on those who needed your love this morning? You know, we do face trials in our lives and hard things. And this past week was an unusual week, even in my own life, just, you know, some health things we were battling through and some other things and, and some just weird uh, challenges that can come along. And, and uh, I was so thankful for the seminar the week before where Brother Visser, who's experienced much pain, literally, in his life, being crushed by 500 pounds of metal falling off of a shelf. A miracle he's alive. But he's, you know, he said, pain is your greatest gift. So I remember that this week. <laughs> it's, it's your greatest gift. Why? Because if you respond right to it, you become a channel of love. How are you responding to the trials of faith, of faith that God's allowing in your life? Are you responding in unbelief or faith? Because if you respond in faith, it turns into love. That's what God does. Let me ask you this question, another evaluation point. Verse 10. Would any part of your life be considered a stumbling block to others? This is, by the way, part of loving people is not being somebody who, who causes another to stumble. Verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere is the idea of tested by sunlight or also could also be the meaning of a winnowing process that removes chaff. So basically it's like this. Does your character pass the test under the light of God's word and his standard? The way you lived this past week, did it pass the sunlight test of God and his word? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.8 that we're to walk as children of light. Without offense till the day of Christ, that's the idea of lives that do not cause others to stumble, that are living ready for the judgment seat of Christ. We just heard the song, Will Jesus Find Us Watching? If you're living for eternity, then you're not going to be wanting to live causing somebody else to stumble. You're going to want to have a life that's sincere and without offense till the day he comes back, living focused on that. Let me ask you another question about how you're doing in this, this striving together opportunity that we have for every believer should be a part of it and, and uh, implored to be a part of. Are your motives pure? This is a big one. Verses 12 to 19, Paul gives something very interesting. He shows here, first of all, how he's not focused on himself in this moment. He says, but I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, he could have given us the whole story. He, he, we have that in Acts. But he could have given us the whole story here. He could have laid, laid out all the things that he faced. In fact, Paul was focused on going to Rome. Remember in, in Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm ready or I'm eager to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome. He couldn't wait to go to Rome and declare the gospel. But God had a different way of getting him there. It's called prison. That wasn't what Paul would have have chosen first. He would have loved to have gone right in the marketplace as we were challenged with this morning in science school. He would have gone, loved to have gone right in the, the middle, the heart of the wicked pagan city of Rome and to declare the gospel, but God puts him in prison. And he says, but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather. So he's saying, these things have happened and I'm not gonna, we're not going to concern, not going to get ourselves concerned about all, all, all the details here is what he's saying. I was passionate to preach the gospel and God, you'll see here, allowed that to happen. But he says, I, look, it's okay. And then he says this. He wasn't focused on himself, but he was focused on the furtherance of the gospel. In fact, it says this. 
He says, these things have happened unto me. He saw it as a bigger picture, not as, oh, the gospel's going to be limited. This isn't going to work out. What are we going to do? I'm in prison. I can't go preach in the, in the city. What does he do? He says, look, the furtherance of the gospel is what's going to happen here. This is what has happened here. Now, what's interesting is this. This word furtherance is a military term. It's the idea of a pioneer advance into an uncharted territory. And it's the idea of military, of army engineers who go before the troops to open the way to a new territory. That's what the word means. So when you see the word furtherance of the gospel, let's get that picture in your mind. So he's saying, I've been put in bonds so that new doors, doors of opportunity can be opened up that would not have been if I hadn't been imprisoned. So he didn't see a situation as confinement, but as a new area, a new way to see God break through. That's a much better perspective than being there sulking and wishing you were out. Then in verse 13, Paul says this, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Paul was able to give the gospel to those who he was, to whom he was chained. So in that moment, he was given the praetorian guard the gospel 24-7. You know? Oh, who's got Paul today? Oh, boy, here we go. He's going to talk to us. But you know what? We know for a fact that it... There were many that got saved. And uh, he was known in the palace, but then he says in the many other places. Why do we know this? Well, he wrote all these letters, these prison epistles. Paul was writing these. God was using this to make an impact. He was touching these churches and touching your life through what was written during that time. Now, I want to encourage you about something. This was brought up in one of the commentaries I was studying. It was so powerful to me. Sometimes in life we feel imprisoned by life circumstances. Let me just give you some really down-to-earth ones. Some of you ladies that have lots of children, or even just one or two, and you can tend to get a little discouraged because you feel like you're just, you know, your you know, life is just like, you know, rubbing the snot off, off the kid the next day, and then you know, you're stuck at home again and again. You miss this. You're not doing this. Can I just encourage you with something? Susanna Wesley was a lady who had 19 children. This is before disposable diapers. Okay, 19 children. Seemingly just completely chained to home life. Two of her sons shook the world, Charles and John. Can I just say that when you sometimes God allows trials or you feel confined and you don't feel like you're making any impact or maybe you're at home and all you can do is pray, God's got something for you. Don't get discouraged. Fanny Crosby, six-week-old girl, chained by blindness, becomes a mighty hymn writer. Look, blindness, in her case, seemed to be crippling. God turned it into a blessing that we're still enjoying today. And then we find here Paul's getting his motives purified very easily through this trial, very quickly, and it's even more. You think that's enough. Well, then while he's in prison, people are taking advantage of him. Look at verse 16. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction by bonds. The idea of contention is the idea of getting people to support your side. He had people who were against him, thought he was off. Why was he reaching out to the Gentiles, whatever? And uh, Paul said, look, my motive is not to gain a following or try to get people on my side. I'm all about the glory of God. So Paul's motive was there. And so their motive was to promote themselves. Paul's motive was God's glory. So what does he say? This is what they're doing. And he says, now some are doing it out of love. They're, doing, they're motivated by what God's doing in my life, and they're out there, but some are doing it out of contention. But this is what he says in verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therefore do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Some people who were his critics, who you could even say were his enemies, trying to show them up and make everybody think, 
uh, evil of Paul through giving the gospel. What's he doing? He's saying, glory to God, people are getting saved. Is that the response you have? It's a good motive check, isn't it? You may not understand that, not being a pastor. That's a real thing for pastors, but we ought to rejoice when God's at work. Now, it doesn't mean we join in things that aren't right. But whenever the gospel is preached and folks get saved, we need to thank God for that. But in every area of life, though, not, not just this specifically, but where are your motives? If it's about you, you're going to get bothered when you're not recognized, when you're not lifted up because you did something sacrificial. And by the way, that should happen, but if it doesn't, what are you going to do about it? Is it going to cause you to say, well, throw in the towel, nobody cares? Or you can be like Paul saying, ah, hey, whatever part I can have, if I'm chained up in prison, I'm just glad to be a part of the cause. So what's Paul's response? I just gave it to you. He rejoiced that the gospel is being preached. Then the last evaluation point here quickly is, is Christ your all? Look at verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be my life or my death. I'll tell you what, folks are in the moment like Paul was in. He had the reality of Christ is everything. And whatever he wants to do, however he's magnified, whether I'm alive or if he takes my life, I just want him to be lifted up. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he says, I'm in a straight betwixt two because, you know, honestly, to be with Christ is far better. By the way, it's interesting. Death didn't terrorize him. He says the word depart there is a military term. It's simply the idea of, it's, it's, it's used, it's like the idea of taking down your tent and moving to the next place. Because he knew he was a sojourner here anyway. This wasn't where he was supposed to hang out. Guys that serve overseas in the military, they, 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 they don't want to live the rest of their life on the battlefield, right? That's temporary. Their tent there is not a permanent, hopefully, place of residence. What do they do? They're glad to depart and go to where home is. Folks, one day we'll, if you know the Lord and Savior, you're going to depart and go home. Death shouldn't bother you. Okay, and it wasn't bothering him. He said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But he said, God's been working in my life here. He says, um, to bind the flesh is more needful for you. And so I have this confidence. I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So Paul had a perspective that God had given his heart. He said, again, you see the word furtherance in 25? Why did he believe God was keeping him on this earth for more pioneer advance? That word is again there, furtherance. He wanted, and then another place, he challenged Timothy with the same thing. You remember when he talked about uh, taking seriously his gift and, and challenged him about being a, a man who was an example of the believer? He says uh, that your profiting may appear before all. That's the same word. That your pioneer advance of what God does through your life may appear before all. So are you living for Christ? Is he your all? No matter what he puts you through and allows you to face, is that what's just, are, are you so consumed with him? It doesn't really matter what the path looks like. You just want him to be your all, and to use you however he wants in the big picture of what he's doing here and around the world. So get in shape. We all need to get in shape spiritually and be evaluated by, by this passage. Two quick points here to finish. Number two, follow your captain's plan. You notice back in verse 27, it says, Only let your conversation, your walk, um, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now, what was he wanting to hear of them? That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind. All right, now, in order to stand fast, 
The idea is you've got to know what you're standing fast on. What are you passionate about? What, is your, what are you living for? Okay? He's saying that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Okay? Now, you've got to know the plan of your captain. How do you know the plan of your captain? And by the way, the idea of stand fast is knowing what he wants you to do and you don't move from it. You don't move. All right? Going back to the point I made earlier about your evaluation of your walk with God, you got to be in his word. Look, we, are, we have the most biblical resources at our hands. There's many, many of you have multiple Bibles, uh, copies of, of, of the Bible. You have uh, multi, uh, at home, you have um, resources you can get online for free that are good and solid and are paid for. I mean, you just have a library on your computer. You have so many things you can do, and yet we have the most biblically illiterate society ever for Christians. And the reason we don't even know the mission or get involved in it or stay in tune to it or stay on mission is because we aren't grounded in what God said. How do you handle trials? How do you handle opposition? How do you handle things that come, come in your life? Well, God's word has the answer. Okay? So you've got to discover it. You've got you to be a part of hearing it preached like you are today and listening to it and responding like I heard yesterday. We were at a, a quizzing tournament yesterday in McGuanagan, and Brother Roberts gave a great message for just a few moments, challenging the kids on be a now Christian. God's emphasis is now, not later. In other words, when God says it, obey it. Aren't we good at procrastination? You know, when God talks about the gospel in 2 Corinthians 5, what does he say? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We don't know if we have tomorrow, but we know we have right now. So respond. That's what he's saying. So we need to be... uh, Understanding who our God is, taking time with him, and then, of course, seeking his face. The direction that God's given to many of you personally and to our church over the years has come in direct proportion to how we have sought him and gotten his plan. He's given us confidence over these last years to know how to pray, to know how to seek his face. It comes through prayer. So how do you stand fast? You got to know it and hold on to it. Well, the only way you know it is if you know the one. You remember the I am? Know him? you don't know him, you don't know what his plan is. You don't, you don't know his word. You don't know what you're going after. And then you need to stand fast together in his plan when we think about his plan. Don't let anything hinder. In fact, this context of, the, of this book, there were some things taking away their joy. One of it was division and relationship issues. If you look over at chapter 4, verse 2, there were some ladies getting a little out of sync. And things were happening. Okay. Um, what are t- relationship sins that can get us? How about Ephesians is a great context of this. How about things like dishonesty, Ephesians 4, about uh, putting away lying? You know, is there dishonesty in your life? Are you one to kind of cover your tracks a little bit? It can happen to any of us. We want to keep our image a little bit better. And we actually cause strife within our families and even in the church family or anger. Anger is such a disruptor of God's working. It's so wrong. Stealing and cheating. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that. Let him that stole steal no more. Then uh, not having unkind words, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And then bitterness, holding on to grudges against other people who have wronged you. These are the things that cause a team like Falls Baptist Church to get out of sync. It's relationship issues. And that's the context of this book he was dealing with in the last chapter. He said, whoa, this can't be this way. we got to be. And by the way, it says in verse 27 that you stand fast in what? One spirit with one mind. We've got to be passionate that nobody drops out of rank here in this church, that we are all staying together 
as Hebrews chapter 3 says, exhorting one another daily while it's called a day, lest anyone be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So we've got to know what our captain's plan is and get on it. And then strive together to complete his cause. That's the last point here this morning. We've got to strive together. Look what it says in the last part of this verse. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. All right. This is an athletic word. The total meaning of the word refers to an athletic contest in which a group of athletes cooperates as a team against another team. By the way, who's the team that we're going against? Anybody know? Is it other churches? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Who is it? Satan and all his forces. That's who we're wrestling against. That's who we're striving. We're not striving against people. We're striving against the enemy who's trying to destroy people, and that's Satan. So Paul's exhorting the members of the Philippian church here to work together in perfect coordination, just like you would expect a team of athletes to do, right? Now, uh, I want to just to quickly, as we close here, give you a couple of illustrations that will help. One is of a, a team years ago, uh, not that long ago, actually, in the Summer Olympics in 2004, of, I think it was a, a, a women's rowing team, and they were doing okay. They were actually, I think, in eighth place, or I'm sorry, in fifth place, excuse me, three seconds behind the leading crew from Romania, and uh, just 500 meters from the finish line. So they were not far off. They, and uh, when they were within 400 meters, one of the eight women quit rowing. She dropped her oars and laid back, <sighs> resting her head on the lap of, of the rower seated behind her. As a result, the Aussie team finished dead last. 10 seconds behind the next closest finisher. They were in toward the front of the pack. They end up way at the back. Just one. Just one. Some of you here may have been doing well a few months ago, encouraged in the Lord, but some things have gotten you discouraged. Maybe you're anxious. You're fearful. You don't like what's going on in our country. You don't like what's going on in your life. And you you're, you're, see circumstances coming, and you're spending more time thinking about what could be than what is and what God wants. And so it's causing you to get off track and you're falling out of the Great Commission cause. You're getting your eyes focused on life as you can see it and you're not part of seeing the big picture. Um, don't, 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 don't be like that rower who quit. When a goose falls out of formation, it feels the dragging resistance of trying to fly alone. See, this idea of everybody participating together is key. That's why all the rowers were absolutely ne- uh, were necessary. You say, well... You don't know what kind of sickness I've got been going through or, or what we got going on at home and so on. Hey, I'm saying you may not be able to do the exact, you know, like act of what we're going to try to do today with canvassing. Or, you, you know, you may physically just, you know, there's some folks from our church family watching today that aren't here because of that. Let me tell you, you can get on your knees and open new frontiers for prayer. You can get on your phone and start texting friends that you may have forgotten to text because you're stuck. And you can say, hey, check this out or send a word of, encouragement or the gospel to somebody who, does, who needs the Lord. God wants all of us to be living in this reality, see? So we, we can get off real quickly just looking at circumstances, getting frustrated with, with what's going on, and God's saying, no, I've got a bigger picture. Everybody's supposed to be part of the game here. And it's not a, not a game in a light way. It's, a, it's the most important thing in your life is being a part of the cause of Christ. And so when somebody, when one goose flies out of formation, it feels the drag and resistance of flying alone and normally gets right back into the formation. And uh, the lifting power of a flock of geese is absolutely re- remarkable. And when everybody in this church family gets part of that lifting power that God gives, it's encouraging and it's strengthening one to another. It's when you feel like you're on your own and you're discouraged and so on. That's, that's when it gets off. So not only should everybody participate, but let's make sure that we're bringing everybody along. In fact, did you know that geese can fly 4,000 miles together? An eagle rarely goes 150 miles from home. Which is the more powerful bird? The eagle. Who goes farther? 
geese. Why? They do it together in a V formation. And it's a remarkable how God has, has created them to do that. But as they flap their wings, they create an updraft for the bird falling behind. The V allows the flock to fly at least 70% farther than each bird were flying on its own. Imagine if everybody in this church gets a part of what God's doing. Say, I'm all in with the cause of Christ. It's, it's, the, idea, it's the idea of reaching souls, discipling people, being part of just breaking through in this area, just, just be constantly seeking God. How do you want to use me? God, I know you're at work. Where is my place in that, in this body? Guess what? A lot more will happen. That lift will happen when the body gets or, organized that way. And then the geese in formation honk from behind to encourage those flying up front to keep up their speed. When a goose gets sick or wounded and falls out of formation, two other geese will fall out of formation with the goose to follow it down to lend help and protection. They stay with that goose until it's able to fly or it dies. Only then do they launch out on their own or with another formation to catch up with their flock. You see that picture, though? It's an important picture. They strive together. They work together. All right? If geese that seem kind of dumb can do that, we can do it. All right? All right. Now, let me conclude here, here with this. We're part of a great cause, though. And the trophy, the prize, is glorious. It's ultimately the glory of God. That's what we're striving for. We're striving for God's name to be proclaimed all throughout this community. We're striving for God's name to be complained in this region, in this state, in this country, and in this world. Matthew 28, we, we know it. You can, most, most of you can quote it by heart, but let me just encourage you. We've got to go. We've got to be making disciples right here. You, know, you may have a vision for God using you somewhere else. That's great, but do it right here while you're here. Let's get all in with what God can do. So, let's step back a moment. We're to be striving together ultimately for the purpose of seeing God break through in this community with the power of the gospel. So how's that going to look? Well, you've got to get in shape. If any of the things that were mentioned earlier are off kilter, you're not responding right to challenges, can I urge you, please, let the Lord just do it through finding work in your life. Pain is a gift. Hard things are a gift from God because they, they cause you to get your focus on Him. And then follow the command of your captain. However God's speaking to you, listen. Get on board. And then let's strive together as a team to see his cost completed. So may God help us today practically. Obviously, we have an opportunity to reach out through canvassing, but there's so many opportunities in the weeks ahead to speak for Christ to thousands of people just through your voices alone, if we'll be ready to do that. Let's be used by God to strive together. Let's pray.